Welcome to Seat Go Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is the place where we welcome the seekers, the goers, and, uh, and the creators. And this is where it all happens right here. So thank you for joining us. This is where we like to say we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. Before I get to our guest today, we've got a great one. Before I get to our guest, I just want to ask all of you listening in, regardless of where you're listening, either via the podcast or on YouTube or on one of the social channels, we would love to hear from you. If you're on YouTube watching it, go down to the comments. If you're via podcast and listening in your car or while you're driving, when you can take your hands off the wheel, don't do it right now. When you can take your hands off the wheel, go to our website, seekgocreate.com. You can find all of our social channels there. You can also comment on each episode. And after the podcast releases, we've got extensive notes and resources from our guests that you're going to want to check out. So find us at seekgocreate.com. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Today, we have Andrea Freeman as our guest and uh, she is a mindful business coach and peak performance planner that works with creative entrepreneurs. That word creative is powerful and it fits so well with our, our podcast, Seat Go Create. She started her first business when she was 12 years old. You could bet I'm going to ask about that. Her second one at 26 and her third at 31. She's professionally trained as an educator, leadership development coach, and she's honed her entrepreneurial skill, skills, skills, I almost messed up there, her skills as a celebrity event planner in a celebrity event planning business. And uh, she scaled that to multiple six figures. So Andrea, welcome to Seek Go Create. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. I hope I didn't butcher the bio too much. So having having kind of gotten my tongue tied a little bit because I've been talking for so long now, I'm actually going to ask the question that I love to ask first. And that is, Andrea, you and I just bump into each, each other somewhere or virtually like we're doing now. And I just ask the question, what do you do? What's your response when someone says, what do you do? Yeah. So I am a mindful business coach. And what that means is that I work with creative entrepreneurs to up-level their business, their mindset, to choose the right systems and strategies that work for them to be able to be the very most them that they can be in their business. So I find that a lot of entrepreneurs get to a point in business where they start to feel like they're noticing that they're comparing themselves to a lot of other people in their market. This is really about owning every part of you, all of your unique gifts, tapping into that, shining that light in the world, creating authentic thought leadership, creating meaningful connections, and using those things to drive our businesses. Excellent. And I do want to warn you, I take notes. So if I'm looking down, it means I'm writing things. And I've already written two or three things down that were not on my questions that I have in my prep. And I always do. So Thank you for sharing that. I could tell you have a lot of passion behind what you do. And in all likelihood, you're looking for people that are wanting to really have more passion about what they do. Before I get to some of the triggers from your comments, I, there, was, there was one thing that I wanted to ask about, and that was your, your, your business with the uh, events planning. And you tied a word at the beginning of it, which is celebrity events planning business. Can you Tell me what that is. 
Yeah. So I was planning uh, events, all kinds, weddings, corporate events, um, you know, bar and bat mitzvahs, birthday parties, anniversary parties, you name it, for um, some red carpet celebrities and also Mm. for some pretty high net worth individuals, some socialites, some very big corporations. So based in Midtown Manhattan, that's where my event planning company um, headquarters were and, um, you know, was a global brand as as far as event planning. I definitely moved it from one city to another. I started in Los Angeles and then went to New York City. Um, so, you know, high-end markets, but then became a destination event planner eventually. I was traveling around the world planning events for people. Right. Wow. So, and I know that because one of the first companies that we had is this was like early on, right out of college. I had a business in college at a young age. It sounds like you did too. We'll talk about that shortly. And then, um, and then while I was working corporate in our early married, I've been married over 30 years. My wife had an events planning business and that is some of the toughest work I have ever seen anyone do (laughs) truthfully. And, uh, I I would guess you would agree with it, but what is the added complexity when you tie that word celebrity to it? Is it any different or is it different times 10? It's remarkable how not different it is. Um, and I think that that was one of the most illuminating things for me in working with really high performers in the world, just to see, um, you know, in, in the, in that role, you see behind the curtain of a lot. Very often we're, you know, arm in arm for a year or more planning something, creating the vision. I'm holding the space so that they can be, you know, doing the other things that they're doing in their lives. And they're doing a lot of other things in their lives. And so you get to see what's going on really, truly, how they are engaging in their relationships, how they are giving back um, philanthropically, what kind of things they're doing in so many areas of their lives. I felt truly blessed to have that perspective. And it's a big part of what I then pulled into what became Mindful Business Coaching. It allowed me to kind of incorporate those things into my business, to to take that kind of really intentional perspective and be able to move my own business forward, and then to grow into something new, a new expression for myself in a way that allowed me to share those things and what's possible for other people in their businesses. So yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. Yeah. I, you know, I love the perspective that you you gave us a glimpse into because we have a culture and society that puts that that word, and, and I think some of us even bristle at the word celebrity, to put mm. people way up on a pedestal, and and even high performers. I mean, I've been around some people, and I'm sure you have too, that they're doing things quietly, but they're doing it at a high performance level. And then there's some people that get a lot of recognition for things. And then some people that do things kind of quietly, it seems as if it kind of just helped you. I don't know if, I don't know if great equalizer, I don't even know if that's the right term, but it seems like it just puts you at ease with that, that celebrities are people too. And other people, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying there, but does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm not somebody who was easily starstruck to begin with. So I would come into these partnerships very much driven by what we're making possible for a community. Um, And I've always kind of took that perspective when I approached planning an event. It was less about what a lot of the industry talks about, which is very much like driven by perfection or that it's so much work and you can't handle it, but more about a partnership and moving forward together in a way that really works for you and your life so that something that didn't exist for your community before is created. Yeah, that's really good. So the other the other thing you mentioned, and I think it feeds into this celebrity, you mentioned this when I asked you about the what you do. You mentioned one of the, I think, challenges with a lot of people is comparing themselves to others. Uh, when I ask you about what you do. And and to me, I think it relates to the way we perceive people in social media. And this was a topic I was talking to someone else about recently, and I don't recall the conversation. But I really do think that that's one of the biggest hindrances of our world today is comparison and maybe looking at celebrity or the way people look on social media Talk a little bit more about that because it seems it seems like that might be foundational to a lot of what you do for people. It is. You know, one of the things that happened for me um, in about 2016 when I was still running uh, only an event planning business, I got to a point in my business where I felt really misaligned. And, uh, you know, mm. there was the success that I experienced, you know, from the outside looking in, people would say like, oh, you know, I was at the top of my game, you know, I'm planning Uh, events at a certain level. I'm working with a certain kind of clientele. I'm making great money. I'm achieving all of the things, many of the things that I wanted to eventually get to as milestones, you know, in some form of success. And I started to feel out of step with it. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't that I had no purpose. I definitely knew that I wanted to create events that were based on meaningful connection, that my purpose in the world is to connect and collaborate with people. So that was a part of it. But I was also very much looking around at what was kind of industry standard and what other people were offering and offering those things, you know, even some services that I didn't necessarily really, you know, resonate with or, you know, I had outgrown parts of my business and I was kind of keeping parts of myself at arm's length. And at a certain point, I decided like, this just isn't good enough. If it doesn't align deeply with my purpose, it has to go. And so I overhauled everything about my branding, I everything from the way that I initially would bring clients in and talk to them about what's possible with an event. And, you know, when I would get a new client, I used to give a very fancy gift. I used to give out Tiffany champagne glasses because I was a luxury event planner and these were a luxury item and it seemed to make so much sense. But when I redid things, I decided to give out, you know, a handmade organic candle that was poured by women who were being taught business skills in Africa and um, organic bath salts and, you know, eco-conscious biodegradable wrapping. And that was something that resonated for me. That was something that resonated with my ideal client. And the interesting thing is that when I started to do all of these little things that were just quite honestly 
more in alignment with me and who I was as a human being, I started to have people sharing those things on social media and thanking me publicly and telling their friends about me more than they ever did when I was giving out the fancy name brand gift. And it's not that there's anything wrong with Tiffany's champagne glasses. They're beautiful. It was just not a fit for me anymore, right? So that's what I'm talking about when I say like looking around and doing it the way, you know, we feel like we should or it seems everyone else is. Instead of checking in with ourselves, you know, using our internal GPS and compass to make the decisions that drive the actions that we're taking. Yeah, that I, there's so many good things about what you said. I have to share the first thing that came to my mind. My wife was working for a season uh, for, a, for a company out of Silicon Valley. And someone from her company sent us two Tiffany wine glasses. And we enjoy a sip of wine and, and they are awesome. But we live in an RV. And let me just go ahead and tell you that... Tiffany wine glasses are not a good fit for our intentionality of what we do in our lives. And so I love it. Listen, but they're in a box tucked away so that they don't ever break. And you know what? It could be even with your people, if they're active and doing a lot of things, even if they live in a home and not on wheels like I do, it just may not be a good match. But you mentioned, all right, so part of our underlying theme of this show is redefine success because our culture, our society forces a lot of normal thoughts about success, especially related to money, what people are supposed to do, how we're supposed to do our marketing and all of those things. And what you just said in talking about passion, if I'm the listener and I am a listener, I'm, I'm Tim here, but I'm also projecting into the person that might be listening. I want to ask the question, how does someone make that shift purpose, passion? You're going along and all of a sudden you recognize that something's out of whack, something's misaligned. Break it down. Give us a few of the steps that you went through to get closer to that alignment, closer to that passion. Yeah, yeah. So my own journey is actually what I then turned into my host your life method. And this is like my, uh, this is my authentic thought leadership. This is what I share with people about how to live from a place of purpose and, and grounded in your most authentic self. And so for me, what it looked like, so it's host playing on the host of a party, right? Um, that really the idea being that we can either in our lives choose to be the guest at a party. We can show up, we can take what's offered. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. Or we can be the host at a party. We can create something that's uniquely ours and reflects who we really are in the world. So I vote for being a host in life. And if you want to do that, the H stands for honor your why. So that's getting really clear about your purpose, what you're here for, what your natural gifts are, what people thank you for. Owning who you are. So that's the O. Like, not giving in to self-doubt, worry, overwhelm, negative self-talk. And when you notice those things coming up, the S is to shift your perspective. What do you have to do to get those things out of the way? What do you have to do to move yourself to a more elevated perspective, a more high vibe place? 
And then from there, when we're no longer focused on what's wrong and, you know, in that place of overwhelm and really grounded into how much we bring to the table, how much we bring to the party. Um, I really love this little, (laughs) this little expression with the host. Then we're inspired to take action. And so from a place of fullness, not setting goals very often in our businesses and in our lives, we look out at what's missing and from there determine what we want to pursue. And this isn't about that. This is about noticing how very full you are and giving from that sufficiency, from that allness, from from that abundance that there is in your life and what you bring to this life that makes you unique. So So, that's what it looks like to me. (laughs) I love the host. I was taking notes and under the T... I wrote table, but then you said take action. Which one is it? Is it one of those or did I miss it? It's, yeah, it's take inspired action. Okay, which is interesting. I wrote down table. That could be a, a message there too. But anyway, probably not not in the formula. The um, A couple of things from what you said, Andrea, that I know for me, being I'm a coach also and I work with businesses, organizations, maybe not too terribly different than you do, but um, I know that my observation about people and my observation about myself, Mm -hmm. true change really comes, I mean, kind of coming to this realization, like you just mentioned, there's, there's a couple of categories that I've observed. I'd love for you to tell me if you see others or if you agree, and maybe you can expand on these. It's number one, someone makes a decision, a very focused decision to make a change, adjustment, you know, find their purpose, passion, start putting the strategic items in place to make it happen. Or number two, there's a catalytic event that forces it upon them. I have had a few of those catalytic events I've spoken about in the past on the show. I won't go go into them here, but I'm wondering, you said in 2016, you went through this process. Was there anything going on other than those two, or is it one of those two or something else that caused you to go through this process? So there were a couple of things. So in 2015, I became a mother. And so at that point in my life, it became really important that if I was going to not be spending time with my family, if I was going to be building something, it had to be something that I was deeply passionate about. I wasn't going to spend all this time doing something I was only so-so about, you know? So there was that. And then, uh, if you remember, in 2016, there was also a pretty big election that year. And while there was a lot being talked about politically, what I was really noticing was how much the experts were talking about this great divide, how divided we are, how much social media has contributed. Now, you know, you you can... Um, get the facts for yourself so you know some people continue to support that we're very very divided by social media that we get to go down you know our little rabbit holes and only talk to people who are just like us and and that that's kind of a divisive um thing but what was interesting and in such contrast was that 
here I am, a professional who brings people together to celebrate. And I see on a weekly basis the magic of connection and how very connected we are. So I was like, wait a second, how are these things really living together? And I decided to, at that point, start exploring and start speaking about the power and the magic of coming together and connection. And that's when I was born as a uh, public speaker. I'd never done it before, but I felt really called, really compelled to share, uh, you know, another side because I felt like it was just kind of going a little bit of a downward spiral about how disconnected we are and how, you know, ominous the future was. And I was like, there's something else going on. And I think we should also talk about that. So that was that was a catalytic moment for, for me, for sure. Well, definitely becoming a parent is catalytic. Uh, you know, it's been a number of years for me, and I've recently had my first grandchild. And let me just say that gives you a whole new perspective on life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But um, yeah, and you know, we're uh, as we're recording this, we are just coming out of four years later from that. And the cycle, this is my observation, and I'm not going to go political here, but my observation is that the people that want to be divided, they are. The people that don't, they're not. And I love the perspective you bring from the events planner, because you probably hosted phenomenal events, parties, weddings, all these gatherings. And there were probably people in those events that had some opposing views politically, you know, about various topics that if they were on some channels might not be as personable, but when people are having fun and enjoying themselves, there's not that much divide, correct? <laughs> I agree completely. And that was really the thing that kind of moved me more in the direction of coaching. I started to use, I feel a lot of entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs who are really wearing all of the hats, right? Like they're the head of marketing, PR, accounting, delivering the service. They're doing all of the things, right? One of the most exasperating thing for a small business owner is to feel like you have an incredible gift to share with the world and not be clear about how to get the message out, not be clear about how to find the people that you know you're meant to serve. And it's probably the number one question that people ask me now that I'm a business coach. How do I find clients? How do I find the people that this service is right for? And I'm just completely honest that you have to be an active participant in whatever arena you are choosing to market. So if you're... A, running a business this day and age, it's highly likely that you're doing some form of social media marketing, right? Whether your playground is LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, you're probably doing something like that. But if you are just putting out content and expecting to, you know, passively be consumed, you're probably not rolling in clients. But once you get out there and you start being really active and really engaging with people, not being shy, not holding back, not waiting for people to come to you, but being very proactive, it shifts things completely. Yeah, absolutely. So here's what I also know is that what you went through in 15 and 16 was, was also another step in your journey I think when I did the intro, you, you mentioned that you had a business at 13 and another one when you were in your 20s and started another one in your 30s. 
And what I'd love for you to do, and maybe we don't spend a ton of time on this, but maybe just a brief, give just a, a little bit about your journey, because I think we're products of where we are today because of the steps and the things and the, the stuff and the, the successes and failures we've had along the way. So give us a little glimpse of that and especially tell us what's a 13 year old doing starting a business? Yeah. So I was at at that age, I was a Girl Scout and my entire Girl Scout troop got certified by the Red Cross to become babysitters. And everybody didn't do this. But for whatever reason, it was a real light bulb moment for me. And I said, I'm going to be in business. And I went to a, I mean, this day, like everybody didn't even have a home computer. So I found a neighbor who had a computer and went over on a Saturday and made out some flyers, took them over to the, you know, like office supply store, copied them off and went door to door and just told everybody because the Girl Scouts is really good at teaching you how to sell door to door. So that's how I knew how to sell. That's how I knew how to be in business. Um, so I did that for a few years. And then I, you know, I did uh, well, what every kid me, does. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. I want to pause you because you brought up something, but you you kind of moved through it quickly. When I first heard Girl Scouts, I went, she was a cookie selling machine, I bet. Because I'm, you know what I actually thought of? Dosey Dose. When you mentioned Girl Scouts, I said, Dosey Dose. I wish I had a box of those. I could eat a whole sleeve of them right now. But but you probably you learned to sell. I mean, is that a big takeaway from that time in your life? Huge, huge. Honestly, uh, a lot of the obstacles that I find that entrepreneurs have to selling has so much to do with avoiding a possible rejection than uh, you know, the opportunity to hear yes. And I have to say more than anything, the Girl Scouts taught me how to just keep going. Even after people say no, even after people shut the door and say, go, you know, next door, keep going. I, I just learned how to keep on going. Um, so that was an incredible, incredible lesson. <laughs> they say actually Excellent that a lot, of, um, a lot of people who come out of the Girl Scouts become business owners. So, you know, good for, good for training, you know, leadership development. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm thinking about cookies now, so let's move on so I could stop (laughs) thinking about those cookies. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I did that, you know, young and then, and then I was a kid and I, you know, I had a part-time job at like working at McDonald's and, um, I then had another Girl Scout experience when I was 16, uh, where I went and I worked at a summer camp out in Kansas City. And that gave me, they, they have a program, it's called the Wider Opportunities. It's a chance to do something that you wouldn't be able to do in your own hometown. Some people go whitewater rafting, some people hike the Appalachian Trail. I volunteered, I put my hand up to go work at a camp in Kansas City, and it was for kids with disabilities and their same age, non-disabled peers. Mm. Now, this called to me because I had a sister with a disability. And every year, me and my other sisters, I'm one of four, the oldest of four, me and my three sisters would go to Girl Scout camp every every summer. Uh, but my other sister was not allowed to go because the camp wasn't handicap accessible. She could not manage being in the physical space so she went to a separate camp and so I had this incredible experience working at this really beautiful camp in Kansas City and I came home and I said we don't have one of these we need one of we should have one of these and so I did that it's a project to get my gold award which is like the Eagle Scout Boy Scouts the highest award you can get in Girl Scouts and I did it so well that the Girl Scout Council then came and said we want to do this again 
we know you're leaving, you're going to college, but we need to do it again. Teach us how. And so I spent my senior year of high school teaching them how to run that camp. And it ran for 10 years. So even though I left, I, mm. I created something that, that definitely lived, you know, until it wasn't needed anymore, until the Girl Scouts locally had a camp that was fully accessible. Wow, that's beautiful. Okay, what, what's next? I'm trying not to slow down. They've got questions, but let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. So then I go to college and I just I say to myself when I make this decision, I can't I love camp. I can't do summer camp all the time. So what's kind of like that? And I decide to become a public school teacher. Now, this was based on limited life experience, right? I had never heard of an event planner. I didn't know it was a thing you could do. I knew teachers. I knew it seemed like camp. So I made that decision. I loved studying how to be a teacher because you get to design curriculum. It's very creative. I didn't love the public school classroom. And so I taught for exactly one year. Uh, and in that year, got very, very sick. I actually kind of worried myself sick in a way, if you, if you believe in that. Um, I was so scared to tell my parents that I wasn't going to continue to be a public school teacher because they had invested, right? They had paid for my college education. It seemed like such a catastrophic thing to have to bring to them. And I eventually mustered the courage and I because I did only teach for one year. Um, but that year was a very long year. I don't know if you've ever had one of those years that it's almost like it's so much going on. And there's so much introspection. It almost feels like two years. That was my, you know, that was my year that year. And in the middle of that year, I turned to food to heal myself. I, I became fascinated with Chinese medicine and acupuncture and Reiki and all of these things that I had never heard of up until that point in my life. And I started being really passionate about cooking. I was doing a lot of dinner parties for my friends. And people were like, this is what you love. This is what you should be doing. So I said, okay. And I started um, saying yes when people would say, oh, we're doing a little party over here. Could you bring us some food? I started basically running like a little catering company without really knowing what I was doing. And at the end of my year of teaching, actually went to school for culinary arts. And so I graduated um, from the Natural Gourmet Institute, which taught people how to pair Eastern and Western philosophy of nutrition with French culinary arts. So that wow, led to event planning. That's the event planning. And mm -hmm. so both my, both my parents were educators. And Andrea, I thought at one point that I wanted to be a teacher and a coach early on in my high school. I said, you know what? I think it'd be awesome to be a teacher and a coach. And this is kind of the weird thing for me. Somewhere along the way, I found out how much money they made. And I didn't realize we were poor. I mean, we don't pay teachers enough. You know, we don't. You were involved mm -hmm. with that. And so I decided, huh, I'll go do something else. But the question I have about that experience is something that nags at me. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question that's probably unanswerable, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You interact with a lot of people. You've been around a lot of people and you probably gravitate towards people that are in not this category, but how many people do you think are in the category that they stay in that position of teaching 
and worry themselves sick or they're miserable or they're not living their passion. And I'm not just specifically talking about teaching, but they don't break out like you did after that one year. Do, uh, do you, I mean, your interactions with the world, do you have a feel for how many people percentage wise that might just be staying in those places of quiet desperation? I think as Thoreau said, or, or, you know, they're just they're They stop living in their twenties is probably how old you were. And they yeah. just coast for another 20, 30, 40 years. That, that grieves me to think about it because I know yeah. what I would be like. So what are your thoughts? I'm sorry. It's an unanswerable question, but I'd love your thoughts. Yeah. I get so many people who come to me and say, I just can't do this anymore. I've been doing it for the benefits. I've been doing it for the steady paycheck. I've been doing it for whatever the reason is for them. Um, and I'm ready to, to, to move on. Like not doing what I believe I'm here to do is not cutting it anymore. So, I mean, if we were to extrapolate that out, I think it's a really high percentage of people that are, are kind of keeping themselves in some version of what they think they should be doing versus what they really truly want to be doing and what they're truly passionate about. I think it's a really high percentage of people. Um, you know, I'm fortunate, I have to say, in working with entrepreneurs who are mostly the kind of people who say, that's not cutting it. I do deserve to be happy. I do deserve to be the source and the creator of that. Um, so, I mean, I feel completely blessed to be able to do this work and, and have people be able to continually get in touch with that. Because one of the things that gets in the way as entrepreneurs is that many of us grew up with models who told us to find the steady paycheck, to find the security, to find the, you know, the whatever it is that keeps us kind of safe, right? And can keep us kind of playing small. So the default thinking can be like, well, it would be so much easier if I just went and got a job. So my job as a coach is to be able to continually bring people back to their purpose, help them see how to bring themselves back to their purpose, why they want to do this, why they have a talent for it, why the world needs it, and be able to be strong enough mentally, more than anything, to continue to do the work to make it available in the world. Yeah, and I, I, I love it because I get sort of to do the same thing. I get to hang out with the people that are probably in that smaller percentage. But I want to connect the dot back to something that we said at the beginning, going back to, you know, 2016, the division do you think there's a correlation mm -hmm. to the number of people that have gone numb, gone just coasting? They haven't reached in and said, you know, I want to do something different. And the level of division that we see in certain areas of our world. I don't know why I just had that thought, but is there a correlation there possibly? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I use at, at, to be a better coach, I believe, is that I'm a trained hypnotherapist. And Ooh. so I'm actually trained to be able to help people go in and look at when they make certain decisions about who they are in the world, how the world is, and how other people are in the world, right? And very, very often, 
most of us make decisions when we're very young, when we're very impressionable, when we are in that kind of sponge phase in our development and we're learning from all the people around us, right? We see what our parents are doing. We see what our grandparents, our teachers, our mentors, our older siblings, our role models. We're taking it all in and we're just making microsecond decisions all day long for for many, many years about how we are going to be in the world. And so what Mm. I find when I do this very deep work with people is that many of us make those decisions in our early years and then we continue to operate from those thoughts which then guide our actions, which then guide our results. So, yeah, I definitely think most people are operating from some kind of disconnect between what they decided they were like or what they decided the world was like when they were young and the way it could be, the possibility, like what the fullness of what's really available. And I think in there lies the divide. I think when we give in to well, you know, like maybe I'm just not meant to have what I want in this world. Like maybe that's just not for me. Maybe those other people get to have the life they want, but that's not me. When we're living that way, then yeah, we are scrolling and very passive in our lives, right? We're not energized. We're not lit up and, and we're not really going for it. But when we realize that that's, that that's a decision that we made, that we could put that aside if it's not serving us and tap into the passion and the joy we might participate a little differently. Yeah, and and I think the key word is we might actually participate. I really do think there's a large percentage of people that are just checked out. And mm-hmm. and then they're allowing these algorithms and all to just confirmation bias and feed feed things and all. So anyway, I love what you're doing because you're taking people that are raising their hand and saying, I would like to do it differently. And then you're taking them on a journey. And what I want to do in our, in, our, in our time that we have left, we still have a few minutes left, I would like to really dive into the type people you work with, the type people you're looking for. And then before we finish up, I want you to talk about some of the resources that you have that someone can take advantage of. And I've been to your website and I think you've got a Facebook group and other things like that. But first thing is, is, is you've, I think I've picked up on this, but I'm going to ask you to state it. Who is the ideal person that Andrea works with? G- give me your profile, your avatar, or, or whatever, whatever that is. Tell me who that person is that comes to you, raises their hand, says, I want to work with you. Yeah. So typically who comes to me and says, I want to work with you, is a service-based entrepreneur who's ready to scale their business. They're definitely ready for a new financial milestone, usually wanting to scale to multiple six or seven figures, and looking for more freedom in their life, looking to not be, um, you know, they're kind of maybe on the path to burnout. They've achieved some success already, but it's taken a lot of work and a lot of effort, and they know that there has to be a simpler way. And so they're wanting to dive into, they're open to exploring the path of spirituality and mindfulness and those practices as a way to support their business 
and then be able to choose the right systems and tactics and you know practices from a business standpoint. So it's not just the mindset stuff and it's not just the business strategies. It's a pairing of the two in a way that is really unique and customized for the individual. So, yeah, and do you uh, do you do programs or do you do one on one or a combination of the two? What what's your a- uh- I do a combination of the two. Um, I definitely do more with my group because I'm just able to reach more people. um, And the program, it's really more like a business incubator than a coaching program. But it is, you know, it's a chance to basically walk arm in arm and have expert eyes on your business for a year-long program where we go through everything. It's the marketing, it's the branding, it's the sales, it's the mindset, it's the really everything is on the table uh, and a deep, deep dive into your goals and what you want to make happen in your business. Right. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident we have a number of people that maybe in that category listening, or at least they circle it or they're, they're head of an organization or ministry or something like that. But every time I have someone like you that touches a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs, I love to ask the question, what are you learning from them? What are some of the things that you're gleaning from, you know, the 10, 20, 30, 100, 300 people that you interact with? Because for me, the more people I interact with, the more I learn. And I'm sure you're that, I could tell you're a learner. Give me some of the things that you've learned from the people that have come into your community. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is just how incredibly common the experience is of being someone who's passionate about, you know, hung up their shingle because they have a gift and they love their craft and then get so bogged down in the marketing and the accounting and the the things that they don't love that businesses need to have and need to take care of, but aren't their zone of genius, aren't the things that are they're passionate about, aren't the things that light them up. And how common it is to feel like, well, I, why am I even doing this? You know, and they feel and ultimately in the end, very disconnected from the initial reason that they went into business. So I, as, as a business owner, found myself in that position. And it just really catches me every time I connect with another business owner that, that it reminds me and it trues me up to that, I, yeah, I was onto something because I wasn't the only one having that experience. And so to be able to create a community, because community is a really big part of it. There's like, you know, private networking opportunities for my coaching clients so that you can be interacting with people who are definitely of a similar mindset. But to be able to connect those people and allow them to see that they're not alone is huge. Yeah, I you know, and I do not ever... I mean, I'm an engineer by training, so strategy, techniques, tactics, those are very, very important to me. But I've been, I've been a part of communities like you're talking about, and I don't, again, I don't want to take anything away from all of the, all the stuff, but we also have a tendency to isolate ourselves when we're in this entrepreneur role that you bring up, and just being around other people that are going through the same stuff has massive value, correct? 
Huge, huge. It can cut the learning curve. If you're someone who's interested in performing at a high level, I mean, it can just put you know, the rocket boosters on to be able to get to a space where you're willing to have the, you know, the tough conversation, you're willing to be vulnerable, you're willing to put yourself out there. Um, but that there's so much available when you do because you can learn the lessons so much faster and you can cut through a lot of the, you know, the school of hard knocks in a way. I mean, we don't cut through all of it. Some of us just have to learn certain lessons in life. But we do cut the learning curve significantly. And this program actually is really interesting how it ends up speaking to people who are just getting started and recognizing that they don't want to take, you know, 10 years to learn all those lessons, that they want to just, you know, go a little faster. And then the people who have already had established businesses who are still asking some beginner questions because, quite honestly, Every area can't be your area of expertise. And so they want to be able to figure out how to scale. And I think that this is where the leadership development really becomes a part of this training that's so valuable. It's about helping people to step into that real CEO role in their business and be able to do the strategic thinking to continue to evolve the business so that it can lead to the ultimate, what I believe we all go into business for, true entrepreneurial freedom of not only money, but also our time and the ability to have the availability for the things that matter most to us in our lives, the ability to travel if that's what we want, the ability to do the things that we are deeply passionate about and not be thinking about our businesses all the time. Yeah, because we, for those of us that have been business owners, and the person listening knows this, you know it when the in the business you were in, these businesses can creep in and consume us, and and part of even the reason why we live the way we live, Andrea and the RV here, and we're not far from a national park, and we kind of hang out is because we wanted to make an adjustment or change in the way we were living because you know some of these businesses you have it's 24 7 you never shut down Mm -hmm. and that is that's excellent that you do that i i do want there's a couple things i want to do kind of as we're we're moving towards a landing here is i i wanted to ask i want to go back to something that we brought up at the very beginning and then I'm going to ask you to, to tell people how they can connect with you and where they can get some of the resources that you have. But I, I know that this question of purpose is so big in, in so many people's mind. Every, every time I interact with people, it comes up. So I want to give you the opportunity to speak directly into the microphone or into the camera for those people that might be watching And Andrea, I just want to give you some time to speak to the person that is struggling with what is my purpose? What was I created for? And and you can go, I mean, I'm not going to say you can go as long as you want, but I just want to give you free reign to say whatever comes to mind. I can tell you're a spiritual person and there's probably, there could be some spiritual aspect to this. Just tell us for the person that's really struggling how can I move closer to my purpose? Mm, yeah. 
I mean, this is such a powerful question for anyone to be asking themselves. So if you find yourself in the place where you're asking this, this is an incredible crossroads to be at, I think, in life. And you know, it's not one thing that gets handed to us on a golden tablet when we arrive, unfortunately, right? I think that there is something that we are really all truly put here on the planet to accomplish, to fulfill in our lifetime. And it is something that's an unfolding. I think it's something that's a, a discovery process. And so when you're in the place of asking and wanting to figure this out for yourself, there are some questions that I find to be really helpful. So I think the first question to ask yourself is, what are my unique talents and gifts? Like, what do people thank me for? Um, where do I know that I excel? Sometimes when we ask ourselves these questions, we can kind of get a little bit, a little bit humble. Um, and so if you can't think of what your unique talents or gifts are, I think that it's really important to just look at what do people thank you for? So that's one question. Mm -hmm. Then I think it's important to just get really clear about what are my core values? What are the things that when I experience them, they just feel aligned. They just feel in harmony with my spirit, right? So is it love? Is it relationships? Is it community? Is it connection? Is it success? Is it, I mean, it's a, it could be a vast number of things, but what are the things that when I experience them, um, fundamentally just feel like a really good fit for me. And then I think what brings us joy in the sense of what are the things that I could do all day, every day, and I would do them if I wasn't even getting paid. Time just completely slips away when I'm immersed in those activities. And when we start to put those things together – our unique joy, our unique gifts, and our core values, we start to end up with something that is really like at the heart of who we are and I believe what we're here to make available on the planet. That was a, a few minutes of some of the best stuff I've ever heard. Thank you for sharing that, Andrea, because, because what you did was you gave someone kind of a foundation to, to, I think, get thinking about it. And you know what I thought of while you were doing that? What's that? Um, a while back, you know, some people say, uh, I'm, I'm interested in these things, but I can never make that a business or I can never do anything with it. And there, there are two people recently that I heard do some things that if someone were to ask me, and I'm a business strategist, I mean, I think business all the time, I study it, you know, I, I, think I know places people can make some money and, you know, get some financial resources. Someone clicked in my mind that they said, you know what? I really was passionate about Disney World. I loved going to Disney World. So way back when I started writing a blog about my favorite things about Disney World. And I don't remember their names or anything now, but these people now have a podcast. They've got a blog. And you and I know that they can do very well with that. And then someone recently talked about, they did a podcast that started with the show Lost. 
and they just talked about the show. So I, the reason I bring that up is I know that people in their minds are going through, well, I'm passionate about sports. I don't know that I could ever do anything with that bull. <laughs> they can, can't they? <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I really believe that we're all here to thrive, it, you know, and that we are like – I. The, <laughs> I read something one time, I think it was Jen Sincero, she's such a funny author, um, she said in one of her books, the universe is over here having a heart attack about how awesome you are. <laughs> and I really, truly believe that. I really believe that when we step into the thing, it's just a matter of seeing that glimmer of possibility and taking that leap of faith that it could be, right? I mean, what do I have to lose, right? I can keep being unfulfilled, I can keep being dissatisfied, I can keep feeling misaligned, or I can take a step in the direction of something that I'm passionate about. Mm, that's beautiful. Beautiful. And, and really what, what I'm hoping that someone gets from this is they, if they have no hope, they should have hope because that's beautiful. All the things you've said is, are so excellent. Uh, almost last question. Andrea, what are you excited about coming up in the future or something coming up soon or you're working on uh, down the road? What, what are you excited about right now? Yeah. So um, I have been on 30 podcasts since the end, since the spring of last year, and I've discovered how much I love podcasts. And it's people who do what you're doing that have inspired me to start my own. So I am super excited that at the end of February, I am launching my very own podcast, and I can't wait to have more conversations like this. Excellent. I'm having a blast, if you can't tell. So well, you're going to love it. Well, you have to come it. on my show. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Excellent. All right. So uh, what's the name of it so people can be looking for it? You know what? I haven't settled on the name yet, so I'm not oh. going to. I'm. That's the one piece that's still hanging out. Um, but I will. If anybody, we talked about my Facebook group. If you stay in touch with me there, that's a great place to find out because that is a place where I am always having these conversations and always sharing with my community about what I'm up to. And that community is the Up Level Collective. So yeah, what is that? I, I was. I was about yeah. to ask you, I was about to say, tell people how they can connect with you. And I think it's that up level. So go ahead and give any particulars you need to about that. Yeah. So it's the up level collective. So it's just facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash up level collective. Excellent. And we'll, we'll include links in the show notes, but if anyone's checking this out, especially if you're on Facebook live or watching it, uh, we'll make sure we try to put that in the comments so that you can find that and get to that. That's that's really your primary place for people to, to keep in touch. No charge for that. Is it free, correct? It's a free Facebook group. Anybody who's interested in more of what you heard here today, that's the place where I, I share most actively. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Andrea, I... I knew we would have fun. I'm not sure that I knew we'd have this much fun, but I knew we'd have fun. So uh, I look forward to hearing about your podcast and checking that out because I'm a big podcast consumer. And uh, so thank you so much for joining us. My final question I'd like to ask, our podcast is titled Seek, Go, Create. And I like to ask, which one of those words would you put above the other two if you had to choose one of those that resonated with you? Oh, they're all so good. 
Um, but I think create. I think there's something in that that to me is about expression and sharing your gifts. And so for me, that that's what I'm deeply passionate about. That's mine. That's my word. Excellent. Well, that's a good one. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing with us on Seek, Go, Create. And we want to stay connected and we'll make sure we include all your information and, uh, and things. If you're listening in and you want to continue the dialogue, we encourage you to continue the dialogue. Go to our website, as I mentioned at the beginning, SeekGoCreate.com or find us on any of the socials where Seek, Go, Create on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, now on Clubhouse. So find us there and we'll connect and have some fun and keep the dialogue going and look forward to talking to Andrea again. Until then, episodes drop every Monday. Make sure you subscribe, check them out and share and uh, continue pursuing and attempting to be all that you were created to be.